Beauty of the World is our new mini-series that focuses on world and regional beauty concepts. In each episode, we'll be joined by a key opinion leader to discuss local attitudes to beauty, cultural tastes, and explore how the key aesthetic markets around the world differ. We'll also learn how to approach, respect, and treat different skin tones and racial features, celebrating the amazing diversity of our faces and skin. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. So, um, it's evening in uh, Brazil at the moment, isn't it, Andre? Yeah, it's eight o'clock evening here. Well, we're very honoured that you've given up your Sunday evening for us, so thank you again, and I'm glad we eventually got to this. It's been a long time in the planning since, I think, December. Um, so this is the fourth episode in our new mini-series called The Beauty of the World, and you know we're honoured to have someone on as eminent you talk about Brazil and South America, which is, to be honest, a market that I know not too much about, and I don't know if David does either. No, I mean, when you think about beauty and cosmetic treatments and plastic surgery, that's probably one of the first regions of the world that comes to your comes to your mind. So it seems to be synonymous with cosmetic intervention. As an outsider, that's my perception. Yeah. So why don't you give us a flavour for what what it means to be a, you know a practitioner, an aesthetic injector in Brazil, and also your your background, Andre? Because you know we know you. You're a, a global key opinion leader, but there may be some people who haven't been exposed to your work yet. Okay. So first of all, thank you so much for the invitation again and congratulations for the project. It's an amazing idea and so, so important. Congrats. Thank you. So uh, Brazil, to begin to Latin America is a very, the, the vein, the people like so much to be beautiful here, you know, to talk about beauty. Since we uh, was born, uh, since we are very small here, children, we have this perception about the beauty, how to be the mirror, the boys, the girls, and everybody. <laughs> so in all Latin America, it's like this. But because Brazil is the biggest country in the, the richer country, uh, talk about Latin America, this is more than the other places. So it's very common here to talk about that. And, and because of that, the cosmeticals, uh, the pharmaceutical group like L'Oreal and all of this about dermocosmetical sells a lot in Brazil. And for example, uh, La Roche-Posay, the, the second place who sells more uh, after France is Brazil. And because of that, they create a big company in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, is a huge company to manufacture things here and the perception was to create products to the Brazilian skin because Brazil is very hot weather like Australia too so it's totally different to have products to the winter time and this kind of thing and because it sells a lot here in Brazil is very vain about people consume the products about the bitterness, the skin, the sun protection and this kind of that, the oil skin, they invest a lot here. And it have, have been uh, happening with a lot of other companies about dermocosmetical here because of this. So is the people have this sense of beauty uh, since kids here. This is the point. And uh, when I talk about the procedure, especially the non-invasive procedure, is the same thing. All the it's very common to have this 
the, the people look for it very, so much more than in Europe, for example, that we see the more the more major woman coming to the physician because they don't like more how they are in the picture or family picture. But when they used to do that, they are 60 years old, no? Mm. And nowadays, because the internet and um, social medias, of course, the younger people in Europe are beginning to, to have this behavior. But in Brazil, it's totally the opposite. The people begin earlier to to have this thing about the picture, you know? Yeah. Even before the social media is very common, to, they, they look more, they feel more confident when they are beautiful. I'm talking about the, the woman and the, 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 the men too, to uh, interview to, to, to a new job or to their career about ever to be a physician or to be a lawyer. Everybody wants to be very uh, beautiful with a good uh, appearance to do the interviews, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it means uh, power, I, I can say that, in Brazil and all Latin America. And because of that, the Miss Universe, we know they always have the Miss Colombia or Miss Venezuela. Or in Brazil, they, they like to, in the top five every year. Because in, in Venezuela, for example, is an industry about the Miss, to be a Miss Universe. And in Brazil, it's not more Miss Universe, it's to be a supermodel, like Gisele Bündchen, Adriana Lima, all of them. is a, is normal in Brazil because they have this, this uh, the, the sense of uh, appearance since uh, was was kids here. This is very common. Could we just get a little bit of uh, background about yourself? Obviously, Jake and I are very aware of who you are. You're a very well-known dermatologist in the in the aesthetic space. But could you just give us a bit of a background about your training, your background, and, and your practice? Since I was uh, I, uh, a boy, I okay to be not not so old. <laughs> the boy will be here five hours. No, like okay, just. To, to co the conclusion, okay, I always have a sense of art, like to painting, to do uh, handcraft things since I was a boy. So I always want to be a artist, a plastic artist. But I always have the thing to to know the people, to talk, to have uh, to about the, the the health and this kind of thing. And so I decided to be a, a, a physician because of that, but to be a plastic su surgeon. It was my objective, you know. And in the middle of the way in the university, I realized that I, I like so much the, the diagnostic of the disease in dermatologists because I'm very visual and photographic memory, you know what I mean? So it was very easy for me to see the disease and say the diagnostic. And then I decided to go for, for this. And because I, I was uh, with a lot of plastic surgeons dur during my graduation to be assistant of them, to looking the procedure, and I realized that the, the moment when you do the surgery, and to have the result is, was very long for me. I would like to have things faster, you know. And because of that, I felt, no, I go to be a dermatologist, to do 
the diseases, the clinical dermatologist, and then to make surgery to treat the skin cancer mm -hmm. and melanoma and this kind of thing. So I do I did the dermatology, and then more two years to be a surgeon dermatologist, uh, dermatology surgeon. And then I did that, and I began to work with that. But then I realized that even this patient wants to be a very wants to have the beauty, it was important too. Even with we give a diagnostic of melanoma, we need to make a surgery now. And I, we did the surgery, I say, now you were safe. And the patient, okay, now you can give to me a moisturizer or a product to, to have my skin like yours. And they say, what are you saying? Uh, we cured your cancer. And she said, no, okay, but now I have my skin lighter. And then I began to do this too. And I realized that I, I like it so much. And when I they asked me to do a Botox, the, the, because it was the name, Botox, a neuromodulator, and I say, okay, I want to do that. And then I love it because I began to create new techniques, how to do the Botox, and then how to do the fillers. And then I published a paper about the AB point. It was 2011 and how to treat the malar and zygomatic area to correct the nasolabial fold because in my period, we learned just to treat the nasolabial fold and the lips augmentation. And when I published that, uh, it, uh, I began to talk in internationally and began my career about this, there I am today. And then I found myself again because I, I have the union of art the, the sense of art since I was a boy and to treat my patients, you know, to have the visual diagnostic and about the, the assessment and this kind of thing and to my uh, hand ability and the thing. So now I'm very happy because I do everything together and with a faster result, you know what I mean? Because we do in one session like this. And so, and uh, by, but I realized that it was very important to, when I published this, uh, I have the, okay, I thought, okay, but uh, I cannot just have the sense of art, you know, uh, because my objective of art, my object is a human being, is not a marble or a, uh, wood so it's much more difficult no and because and we have responsibility we are physicians so uh, i decided to go to united states to study fresh for in, in a fresh frozen cadaver because in brazil we just have at this moment the the formalized cadavers you know that we studying in the university the medicine schools so we can never simulate the procedure and to see the fat yellow and this kind of thing yeah and uh the cadaver was like a mummies and uh and when i went to united states to study that i definitely bought a, a head of cadaver in the center of study of this of course in miami i decided to to they invited me to create an anatomy course to latin american students they went to a strong name in latin america and this period i used to talk a lot to Latin America about assessment and injection for two companies. And then uh, I create this course and it was a huge success in Latin America and then United States. And then I began to talk around the world 
to talk about assessment, injection, and anatomy applied for that. So, and my career, it was another, because the union of the assessment means sense of art and hand ability, manual ability, and the study of anatomy, I think are the three most important things to be a, a good injector. It's very important to have three abilities like this. Perfect. And Andre, I know that you're associated with a number of companies, which for us Australian injectors is quite unusual, but it's quite um, refreshing. So you're a key opinion leader for Allegan, Galderma, Tioxane, Mertz, and even um, L'Oreal as a dermatologist. So very, very briefly, Mm -hmm. like what what is your role with those companies? Yeah, the first company that that invited me to talk uh, internationally, okay, in Brazil and internationally was... Allergan. No, no, uh, it was uh, the QMAD before Galderma yeah. by the QMAD. Remember, it was alone QMAD in, in Switzerland and uh, no, Sweden. And then I was I was there twice, and then we began to talk for Restline in Brazil, and then when Allergan into Allergan to by Botox Allergan, it was my first invitation. Then when Galderma bought the the, no, then Allergan bought an injectable brand and they began to talk about fillers too and we published a lot of things. We launched Voluma in Brazil. The first Voluma by Allergan was without lidocaine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Australia was the same. It was a 2ml syringe and I launched this and then we launched with lidocaine and then Volift and Evobel, everything. So at this moment, I stopped to talk to uh, from uh, uh, by the QMED and Goderma bought the QMED. And then I began internationally a lot to Allergan and then in Europe too. And then I do a lot of work to Goderma to create this portfolio about the race to lane and how to put all the products together with Ermavel line and rest lane together, you yeah. know. And to work a lot with that. And then we launched in MERS before MERS have the Belotero and this kind of thing. And after two, I launched the Belotero line in Latin America. It was in Panama, a big event. I was the chairman. And then I invite Art Swift to come to talk to with us, my father, scientific father. And then uh, I have been, then the last one was the Oxen that mm. I like so much. We uh, have a relationship to last two years, doing something together. I'm very happy with the company nowadays too, but we're beginning to have this relation. And and about the L'Oreal and all of the brands of L'Oreal. So we launched Skin Seuricals in Brazil where they came when L'Oreal bought this. And of course, La Roche-Posay, the first advisory board of Vichy in Latin America, I was... They are two during mm. three years. Yeah. And then the other companies. So we have been working a lot because when you talk about the non-invasive procedures, of course, that you need to understand the arsenal of products that you have to the the, the, the complete treatment. And because of that, dermocosmeticals is so important. And I work a lot with them. I think that was... Ah, and of course, out of Brazil... Two, we always when we have Latin American meetings 
and the United States and out in Europe too. I have been working for this company, even the L'Oreal brands and the, mm. the lectures. You're a busy man, Andre, okay. clearly. <laughs> yeah. Now, David's going to yeah, David's going to summarize some statistics mm. about Brazil because I think a lot of listeners, including ourselves, actually yeah. didn't realize just how incredible Brazil is as a country. So, go yeah. for it, David. Well, you know, Jake and I were doing some research, and we sort of put together some headline statistics, which people might find very interesting. So, the current population of Brazil is over 213 million people, which is like just under three percent of the total world population. So, massive. Um, the total land area, I guess for people living in Australia, this will give you maybe some, some idea in terms of scale. So it's 10% bigger than Australia in terms of land mass. And we're a huge continent. So that's, that's crazy. Like, yeah, nearly eight and a half million square kilometers. So it's a huge place. Um, 86 per, nearly nearly eight, 88% of the population is urban. Um, and the average age is nearly 34 years, of, years old. Um, so quite a young population. Mm. Um, I yeah. noticed that you had a, a huge... Um, you know, birth rate, which seems to be flattening off and declining a little bit now, but I guess sort of 10, 20 years ago, it seemed to be a lot higher, like in terms of just the amount of people that were being born. Um, in terms of the, the makeup of the company, of the country, the society is made up of people from all different parts of the world. So you obviously have the, the native Brazilian people. Um, then there was a huge influence of the Portuguese when they came in and sort of colonized the area. And then you've got a lot of the um, Africans that were brought in as uh, part of the slave trade back in 1518, mm -hmm. which is obviously a huge part of the population now. And then sort of as we got closer in the 1800s, you had a lot of immigration from different parts of the world. So um, places like Italy, Spain, uh, Germany, Poland, uh, Ukraine, surprisingly, Chinese and Japanese yeah. as well. So it's a, it's a, yeah. a, a huge country with a, a melting pot of different cultures from around the world and lots of influences. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, no? <laughs> how how would you explain you know as a Brazilian what what does it mean to be Brazilian because it, you know reading about it it seems to be the most multi ethnic and multi mixed race country that I certainly know yeah. of and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this um, this mini series in fact I, I watched your webinar with Raj Aquila back in April when the lockdown was you know fully in effect yeah. for us here in Australia. And I thought it was just the most fascinating webinar. I really applaud you guys for sort of tackling Thank that topic. You. And Thanks. you were talking to Raj about, um, you know, some of your supermodels, like you just mentioned. And even though, you know, superficially, you know, some of them look Italian or indigenous or African, when you actually looked at their features, many of them had mixed race features because their families had been in Brazil for several hundred years. And that, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. So that's what sort of prompted this this mini series sort of exploration to find out mm. what is facial aesthetics and what is ethnicity and and what are we doing as a, as an injector. So what what does it mean to be Brazilian? I mean, it's it's just too loose a term, really. Doesn't Raj have some yeah. Portuguese background as well? I think, I think yeah, he does. from Goa. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So this question is very is very difficult because it, uh, when uh, we are born in Brazil and we realize that, okay, I'm different from the other colleagues since it was a ch ch child, a children, and, and you see nobody similar, you know, mm. it, it's totally different. It's very common, this perception. So, and, and you know, uh, both of you that the, I don't know if you know that, the, 
the most valuable passport if you want to buy of course is a crime is a criminal thing but you want to buy a <laughs> false passport the most expensive is the brazilian the, the, this is true because everybody can be brazilian you know what I mean? for example if you buy a japanese passport and if it is you guys or me of course the people will say are you Japanese? Because <laughs> that Brazilian, everybody can be. So he can answer the, 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 your question. But, you know, uh, talking about your, the, the data that you said to us, just to explain a little bit uh, more about the miscegenation, is because of this. We have like 500 years now. It's a very young country about the discovery of this. Uh, the population is very young, too. As you said, the average is 35 years old, 33 years old. So it's very young uh, population. Uh, and because of this, when the, the Portuguese came to Brazil 500 years ago, there was like 3 million, 3.4 million of Brazilian Indian, indigenous of Brazil yeah. here, you know. And then, uh, and after some more two centuries, they came... So in the totally came 5.5 million of European people here, yeah. beginning for Portuguese, especially the Portuguese. I'm Portuguese fa family, by the way. And but during this, uh, the the first 300 years of this 500 years, uh, there, there came uh, five millions of Afro descendant people. You know, yeah. five mm -hmm. million. So a lot of them died in the in the, the trip, a lot of them die here, but 5 million is the biggest uh, is the biggest population from Africa uh, that came for a country to us, Brazil, about this. And after the last 200 years, like 300 years, came the other European. A lot of Italians, uh, Spanish people too, German people too, especially on the south of Brazil, and much later, as you said, to the Asian, you know, the Asian, we have the biggest colony, uh, Japanese colony out of Japan is in Brazil. This is one very interesting thing. And the, there is a very big Chinatown in Brazil, too. And even the a Korean uh, colony, too. But this is very recent, you know. So uh, because of that, when you see the, the data, like, as you said, Brazil have two, um, 200 and some uh, 220 like million people, you know, but the majority of them are the, the, the white people. But even being white, there is a, a kind of miscegenation, but the, the, they say themselves they are white, okay? It's mm. like 47% or something like that. And the other big part of the population, like 44%, so it's, it's almost the same, is the, the mixed race people. So yeah. everybody who came, they have a miscegenation. Uh, we say in Portuguese, pardos, or in English, there is mulatos with double T, but the, the, it means mixed race because it's the miscegenation. But the people uh, that they say that they are not uh, they didn't have miscegenation uh, from Afro descendants. Is like seven, eight percent just Afro, Afro descendants yeah. that didn't have miscegenation. But this is very, we don't have sure about it, you know. But the Asian population is just one percent, you know, and the indigenous Brazilian indigenous is like uh, zero point four percent. So wow. a lot of people 
when they say Brazil, think about India, indigenous people. No, it's just 0.4, especially in Amazonia, in yeah. Manaus and this kind of thing. So the conclusion of that is, as you said, so 46% is mixed race, 44% is white people, and 80% like is Afro-descendants. So the majority of the Afro-descendants is in the mixed race part. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So everybody have a miscegenation here, of course. And because of this, was stimulated for the government. There is a history things about that. I will not say because it will be so long, but the miscegenation is so strong that when I launched a technique last year, the meaning, the name was Anatomy Beauty Face, AB Face Technique, uh, I, I suggested that we didn't talk about uh, just ethnicity, just because we talk about miscegenation, because it's totally different now. We don't have a Japanese, like pure, like here or Afro descendants or European. No, we have Brazilian population very miscegenated. Yeah. Uh, it's miscegenation. And because of that, to finish about the, the models, when I show in this lecture that I saw to our friend <laughs> Hajakila, our brother, very dear, and uh, I, I show that, like Gisele Binching, the famous supermodel from Brazil, she has a German uh, uh, grandmother, you know, and Brazilian father like this. And like uh, the other people that we say, we have Luana Piovani is a female actress and model in Brazil. Now she's living in Portuguese. She's my patient. She's Italian and Spanish and other part of Brazil. Mm. There's some actress like is uh, Spanish and Portuguese and Afro. And Adriana Lima is a famous top model too. It was Victoria's Secret model. She is the Brazilian idea totally because she is, uh, the descendants is Portuguese, Switzerland, uh, uh, Japanese, you know, <laughs> indigenous from Brazil and Afro descendants. Because of that, she have the, the white, the, the blue eyes, like fox eyes, and the hard shape of the face is uh, Asian influence. And have the, the beautiful lips is Afro descendants and the nose is like uh, Switzerland. So, in this kind of thing, and we have the even the Afro descendants, Brazilian, they are not like Afro the Afro people from Africa that lives in Africa nowadays. It's totally different too. And because of that, this is Brazil. And the same thing about the guys too, the male, the the, the patients. You know, they are the same thing. They they very beautiful because the the, the body uh, of woman. And, and men in Brazil, they have this, uh, the since the teenager, they have the thing to work out a lot yeah. to the culture of the body because the sun exposure and this kind of thing, the sports, uh, the, out, the, the, what is the name is the, the outdoor sports, no? yeah, yeah. the surf and everything, the runners. And, and so the, the body culture about the beauty is very strong in Brazil to male and female. And because of that, the curves of the body, the definition, very beautiful. And this miscegenation about even the bodies and the face. Yeah. So, and because of that, it's very difficult to define. But I can say that 
the 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 miscegenation of Brazil is magic, in my opinion, and because of that, we need to understand, of course, the meaning of beauty, and the meaning of beauty is is cultural thing too. Of course, we know that. We know that in Asia, for example, even nowadays, they love to have the hard shape, so the zygomatic distance, the mid faces, is very wide. And the lower face, no, is very narrow because mm-hmm. it means a femininity, a fragility that they like. There's in Japan, for example, the man and the woman too. But in Brazil and like Latin America, the the woman, for example, love the very well-defined lower face because not, of course, the same ratio that the mid-face can never be the same. One-to-one, it would be a masculine uh, landmark, no? But even to a fe- feminine landmark in Brazil and all Latin America is the, the lower face very, very well defined because it's, it it means strongness and power. And yeah. women in Brazil is very powerful. They, they feel comfortable with that, the body and this definition. So, and because of that is a Western, uh, I think, uh, meaning of beauty is a very common here. United States, the same, but sometimes a little bit overcorrected, but depends of the place too. But in Brazil, we see a lot of them. So the conclusion, the, the beauty is, is, is uh, cultural. And I was telling about the, the, the culture in Brazil to explain to you. And because the, the miscegenation we, we follow the landmarks of beauty, you know, but respecting the all of faces that we have in Brazil. And because of that, I create the AB face because I show the shapes of the face for male and female that I consider dominance. And we keep the, individ, uh, the individualization of the beauty for each person, even with a different miscegenation. I was looking um, back at those stats, Jake, and I didn't see um, a population for Bondi. We've got got one. I don't know if you've been to Australia, uh, Andre, but we have a very, very large Brazilian population in Bondi Beach. Yeah, I was right. I just didn't see oh, the statistic. Yeah? You can always know. You always know the Brazilians because they're especially the females are always wearing colorful pants. You always know. You can tell <laughs> straight away. You can tell straight away. Yeah, and they've got the body <laughs> confidence. Yeah, yeah. And their body. It, it, yeah, it and they're true. always doing you know, um the capoeira down at the beach. There's the drums and yeah, it's like a capoeira. volleyball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I play capoeira, you know, this oh, yeah? is very complicated. And capoeira is amazing because the body, you work everything, yes. you know. So, and, and it's a dance with a fight, no? Yes. Uh, it, it's so beautiful. It's pretty no? amazing and to the watch. Body will be incredible. And so, I was two times in Australia oh, yes. uh, giving lectures. It was a big pleasure. Uh, by the way, last year, I used to... Uh, I was intent to return to a big conference in Australia, but but pandemic canceled everything. And Australia is very, it's so amazing. Because, for example, in Sydney, it was exactly the weather of Brazil, the same things. And and the people love to the sun exposure and the outdoor sports and that kind of thing. But the population is is, is totally different and because have uh, so much... uh, uh, European uh, influence, yeah. And I thought 
that I, I will see more indigenous from the, the, the Australian one. But no, it was, I saw so small numbers. So it was, I think it, it is like Brazil. But Australia is interesting because you were so, so blonde and so, so light skinned and so, and everybody, you know. And even Melbourne too is a very, it is not mixed, uh, uh, definitely. No, you, you, you keep the, you see a person say is Australian guy or woman. No, this is very beautiful. But in Brazil, no. Brazil, you know, we Brazilian, we recognize a Brazilian by the way how they walk or the clothes, <laughs> how they move, the, the, because have a dance, how to do that. In the in other country, we recognize that that <laughs> not because of the the face of is is crazy. No? You, you touched on an interesting point that you know Australia is obviously a younger country still than Brazil. It's like two two hundred and fifty yeah. years old. So, it, you know, logically, when people start to mix even further over the next hundred years, two hundred years here in Australia, what you just said about people traditionally looking you know British or or very white, presumably that's going to change. You know, I've got mixed race yeah. children. My wife's Indian, although we both came from Britain. And so you assume that what you see in Brazil is going to be translated across the world when countries start to become more, you know, open-minded and modern and, and borders and globalization becomes more yeah. common, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just to summarize what you were saying, because, you know, I know you've written a couple of papers about this and some listeners may, may not be aware. I think you were basically saying, because in Brazil you have so much multi-ethnicity and, and mixing of races, that, you know, traditionally us sort of injectors here in Australia or maybe Europe, we, we, we're taught maybe a bit simplistically to, to treat a, a Caucasian face or an Asian face yeah. or an African face. Whereas I think what Perfect. you're saying is that's probably a bit too simplistic particularly when you're treating someone who is mixed race so what is their race and so you've devised a system called the ab uh, uh i can't remember what you said the ab face ab face ab, AB, AB face, AB face. Yeah. and and so basically you're looking at face shape which dictates yeah. how you're going to approach that treatment rather than ethnicity or skin tone yeah, exactly. This why because uh, I began this project in Brazil, of course, where I began to show around the world, and a lot of people like it. Uh, I sent you the, the the papers. I think that you do have, by yes. the way. But uh, it's because okay, for example, the Asian population in Brazil, as I told you, is very small. Is one percent, but uh, is a very recent. There is like uh, seventy years now in Brazil, but the so the first and second generation of Asian immigrants in Brazil, they are like Japanese or Korea or Chinese people because yep. they didn't have a miscegenation. But the last generation in Brazil of the immigrants from Asia, they are different because mm. they began to miscegenate with the Brazilian people or women or, or guys, and they are totally totally strong about miscegenation. So, and because of that, uh, and again, so they change the, the face of shape, and because of the meaning of beauty is different again, because we are in Brazil and not more in Japan, for example. For example, the, again, the, the Japanese, they, they consider beautiful, they are the hard shape, you know? Very but fragile they, faces, they, quite sort of yeah. weak faces almost. 
Yeah, narrow and fragile in the lower face and very wide and strong in the mid face in Japan. But the Japanese woman who was born in Brazil, especially the last generation in Brazil, uh, they prefer a more well-defined lower face. Yep. So, and because of that, they, they, they look for it, you know, even being for the same family. So, and because of the, and because of, 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 of but the other immigrant history in Brazil, uh, totally have a miscegenation. So the, the Portuguese, Spanish, Germans, Italians, and Afro-descendants, you know, and the indigenous there was in Brazil. And because of that, there is not more important to see the uh, ascendancy of mm. them because there is 400 years and the miscegenation have a big stimulus in Brazil to happen. And because of that, I stimulate to see the face shape, you know, mm. that doesn't mean if you care the, 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 the ascendancy and how they're going to age. So my paper, I show four ages, 25 years old. There is no aging process yet, yeah. just the face shape. Then 40 years old, because begin to have a, 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 a decrease of stroke. Yeah, especially woman. Then fifty-five years old is the menopause for a woman. You know, so going to change a lot because of the hormone. Uh, and then seventies because have so fifteen and fifteen years, four ages. Seventies because you have a, a bone reabsorption. You know, the measures will be different. And the male patient, I do the same four ages, even being the aging process a little bit different and then i show the 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 what you have to do like depending of the facial shape depending of the age that you can see the man and the woman because uh, i show the weak points and the strong points for each facial shape so this is in my opinion is more important than the ascendancy in brazil do you think that really what you're saying is you, you're both treating the anatomy but also the the culture of the person? Because, you know, if you're treating a Japanese face in Brazil, their, their, their aesthetic is different to whether they were born in Japan or Brazil. It's different. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Okay, the, the, as I told you, the last generation that was born in Brazil from the Japanese immigrants, they... They, they change the anatomy. They, they have the face shapes a little bit different for the grandmother, for example. You know, this is one thing. And the other thing is the, the meaning of beauty. So they want to have a different uh, uh, landmark of beauty that their relative in Japan, for example, they want to have a more well-defined lower face because they are Brazilian. Mm. And it means more power, to Roman, this kind of thing. Mm. So there are two things. I consider the miscegenation, so the, the anatomy point of view and the, the, the things, the me we measure the face. Okay, why are oval faces different for heart shape? Then we show how you can, because it's a visual diagnostic, of course, but I prove when you measure that, the distance between one part of the face and the other face, you know, but then do we teach what you have to do? So we consider the two things. But I mean, it's, it's just to conclude, it's because uh, if I have, okay, this woman can, lives in south of Brazil. She's blonde hair and blue eyes. But 
her face is not more from the the grandmother uh, of the grandmother that is living in German, you know, mm-hmm. because she was so there is sometimes is an oval face with blonde hair and blue eyes. An oval face is not typical for a German woman. It's more angular face shape. Because of that, I consider this more important in Brazil. Mm. Looking at the statistics in terms of a number of treatments being performed around the world, and Brazil is the highest per capita around the world. I think it was like yeah. 700 people per 10,000, which is incredibly high. What, what do you yeah. think is driving that? And what are the current trends that you're seeing in Brazil in terms of what procedures people are having, what aesthetic they're after, and so on? Okay, so I think that the, probably the invasive procedure most common in Brazil and probably in the world there is in Brazil is a breast implants mm-hmm. because it's very common for the plastic surgeon to do this here. And uh, I began when I, I began to study that. I was following some plastic surgeon during my graduation in medicine they do a lot of uh, breast surgery to reconstruction, to, to put a higher position. But then the implants were coming before United States, then were beginning in Brazil, the breast implants, and then they, they began to do a lot of them. And then the first uh, uh, year, there is a lot of uh, reactions about the material of the implants, and then they gave up. And they came another kind of implant, and they began again in Brazil. And then, so the surgery to have a more beautiful breast uh, was substituted for a, bre- a breast implant. So, I mean, always they used to do a breast surgery with or without implants. This is very common in Brazil because of the bad exposure, the weather here, tropical the sports and the beaches and this kind of, uh, of, of thing. And the second thing probably is the liposuction uh, because, again, the body. And then the lip sculpture is a very common to increase the butt and this kind of thing. The Botox at Brazilian is very famous, blah, blah, blah. And the woman she used to do that. And then we become the non-invasive procedures. Now we're going to talk about that. Uh, it was the same reason because of the beauty here. They are very... And so the, the boat line toxin here, it's very come. I think it is only behind the United States because the United States is, is bigger of here and the market is huge about it. And the filler injections too is, is very big because it's a complement to the, the, surg- the invasive procedures. And because of that, the, you know that the, the plastic surgery in Brazil is very famous, like Dr. Ivo Pitangui and a lot of very influenced plastic surgeons, but they, belong, they, they stay a lot of time doing just surgery, surgery, surgery. And when this non-invasive procedure came to here, they have a you know a problem. No, I, I I'm a surgeon. I never really do that. <laughs> and then the dermatology began to do a lot of this. And nowadays, I I, I have been do, giving a lot of lectures to plastic surgeons to the congress of them. I was the first dermatologist to talk in a huge congress of plastic surgeons in Brazil. And I before after that, one year before, I talked to Australian plastic surgeon society. 
and I have a war in the American plastic surgery society. And so an Italian plastic surgery. So in my country, I began to spoke to them late and they respect me a lot because I have anatomy, of anatomy applied, I dissect cadaver. So, and imagine to a dermatologist that don't study this. So nowadays the plastic surgeon they are doing this non-invasive procedures too and this kind of thing. So, and because of that, the we work have been working together because the even with non-invasive or invasive procedures, the market here is huge because mm. of this culture and this kind of thing. But because the procedures are so popular, do you see that uh, sort of the market penetration has peaked or can it still grow further? You know, I I, th- I think that can can grow, but okay, but it's growing. It never stops to grow because you know that to the because of the social media, social media nowadays is very fast. You now the information about the treatment and everything, and uh, the thing that I think uh, around the world and in Brazil. Uh, grow a lot. It was the young people, now the young patients looking for this procedure, like 20 years old, 25 years old. So less than 40, less than 30s nowadays, because they want to to do. Okay, I have, I want just a little bit more of my superior <laughs> lip, like or just my nose. This kind of thing that they didn't lose volume they didn't have aging pros they just want to have a better selfie you know so this is a yeah beautification yes the name is perfect because in general a very difficult patient because they think that they know (laughs) what we're gonna do no that you know that they okay i came here to do the point point of my nose, I want that you like use 0.1 ml and say what so so they think then they know everything and they say, okay, in Brazil is very common. They say, okay, I have my uh, maxillar, more definition in my maxillar area. <laughs> in my, it, it, they say maxilla. Maxilla, they think that this dimension yes. here, the jaw angle, jaw line. And they say, no, this is not, ma- maxilla is the bone here. This part is dimensional. And they say, Dr. Braz, you need to, to see more the internet, you know, because <laughs> no, in the Instagram here is maxillar. They say, okay, use maxillar. What I, I cannot discuss with you. Okay, I, I just will do that. So, and this kind of public, we always grow a lot because it's the information yeah. about this. And the male uh, uh, patients too. I have a lot of male patients because I have been talking, giving lecture about the male a landmark of beauty and treatments. So 20% of, 25% of my public nowadays is is masculine. In the past, it was like 5%. Yeah, that's huge. That's massive. Yeah, yeah. They they are looking for more and more. In Brazil, the masculine, the male patient, used to be very conservative. They are afraid to look for that because the, the straight Mayo patient, for example, they used to have afraid to know. I they nev- nobody wants uh, 
should know that I'm gonna do a Botox of this kind <laughs> of thing. Never, because they. But nowadays, the young straight public male patient, they they are very okay with that. They came, they assume that for the friends. So this is very uh, actual behavior, you know. Because they, I, I say they straight people because they gay. Mayo patient is okay with that for a long time. It's yeah. not a problem. But, and, and even the more old, more mature guys, like 50s, they are very okay to treat. The 60s, they are not, you know, so common. But the Mayo patients, public, you know, increase a lot to mm-hmm. Brazil. Speaking of uh, influences and in young people, what is driving or influencing younger people these days in terms of how they want to look like? I mean, I know here in, in Australia and plenty of people we've spoken to in Europe and the, in the States is social media. You've got people like Kim Kardashian and Bella Hadid. And then you're talking about uh, Adriana Lima from, uh, I think she was a, what was those models called? The, uh, the, the gosh, I've had a mental blank. No idea. Um, anyway, so who, who is influencing people, young people in Brazil? And is Instagram like a big thing over there like it is here? Victoria's Secret model, that's what I meant. Mm. Yes. Yeah, Victoria's Secret model, yeah. So, yeah, I think that the... the is exactly... The, the, the beautification in this kind of thing, this kind of movement, this kind of public, no? Uh, be, become, they came because of this, because they didn't see on the mirror assess themselves and say, no, I am aged here. No, because they don't have age. They are 25 years old. But they notice that they can do something to be more beautiful, no? Enhanced. On the self and this kind of thing, because of influencer, of course. And uh, like Kardashians and this kind of thing, it's very easy to see, uh, can motivate them. But because Brazil, Brazil are famous to have a not overcorrected treatments on the breast, on the face, on this kind of thing. United States, when they become to have a breast implant, the size was huge. In Brazil, <laughs> it was like, yeah, for, for, for us. But in Brazil, the, the, I, I remember the first size of the prosthesis was 150 ml. It was 125. And then the, the woman who used to use two, uh, 200 ml, it was... Uh, I scan them in Brazil. And nowadays, they use more here. Yeah. But United States is much more. So uh, Brazil always used to be more conservative, a more natural beauty about that. No? And even the face too, because of this. But, and not because they don't want to treat, it's because they are afraid to be overcorrected. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the because of the... This influence, influence like Kardashians and social media, we are beginning to see the last years in Brazil a wrong interpretation about the beautiful result. And the people are beginning to want to show that they have a procedure on mm. their face, for example, injectable. So in the, the goal of my patient, they like me because of that, is because I say, we, I say in my lectures, by the way, we need to give the, the freedom to the patient to he or she will say if she does or not a procedure. We can never give uh, on their face 
uh, the name. Uh, I, I made the procedure, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, the, But there is a public now, they want to everybody notice that they did the procedure on the face. And this is a very influ- a wrong influence, I think, international influence. So the Kardashians, for me, is a nightmare about the results. Everybody's so exaggerated. And the, the, the bloggers, the influencers in Brazil, a lot of young women, blah, blah, they, some of them are very reasonable, are very okay. They show that we can do this procedure, a filler here, an injectable or a Botox, but keep the neutrality, you know. There is a lot of very serious, do a good job about that. But there is another influence that is stimulating this, you know. So, but definitely they are the responsible for that. So the, the, the TV shows, I mean, and the influencers on the internet, especially on Instagram. So, it's, but, but especially the public. Yeah, okay? I, th- I think you've so, already answered my question. But here in Australia, we recently had the fox eye trend, where where mm. you know people were asking for you know fox eyes and threads yeah, in the forehead and eyebrow filler to create that sort of what they call the snatched look. But I mean, it, yeah. what, what are your opinions actually, on these sort of um, trends that come and go? Presumably you think it's stupid, but <laughs> I'll just ask you. I, I'm very happy that you know my answer, but no, no, yeah. No, it's the same. I think that the same time that I arrived at this influence in Australia, I arrived in Brazil because, no, okay, Australia probably 12 hours in front of, <laughs> yes. no, because yeah. it's, it's, but you know, is at the same time because the internet the, the do this, no, is is crazy, it's very fast. But the thing is, is a is a what is the name in, in, in English? Is a brand no, is okay, it is the trend thing of the moment, is the fox eyes, and then the people wants to have a more wide this part of the orbit, and then the people wants to have a, a big lips again because yeah. now the people the russians is is crazy there is a lot of physician <laughs> i i think they are physician i i am not sure in russia they had put some videos and the people see the videos and the lips are like this yes and doing the inge- in the procedure very dangerous <laughs> with needles and bleeding like sh- and they put on the, the <laughs> it's like a horror it's, movie yeah I, God, did you did, did see it before? And the lips are so artificial, but because the young people are seeing so much this again and again, and it's like a hammer, you know? They're desensitized. They, one time they want to, 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 to feel that this is beautiful. No, because I, this is normal. Everybody is doing that. This is, I'm very afraid about this. So I explain in my lectures to my students and to my patients that this is a uh, what is the it's trendy things, but you're gonna live like some months, maybe one year, and then you're gonna be again the the uh, normal behavior and this kind of thing. So I don't stimulate them because everybody's to nowadays wants to create a new thing. You know what I'm talking? A yeah. new tendency and this kind of thing. And then, but when you do, okay, if you're gonna stimulate, not to you, but some influencer going to simulate a makeup style, a new thing, a new color is a makeup. If you want to wash your face, it's okay. But when you were stimulating a 20 years old 
uh, woman, you know, to do a fox eyes with a thread is what I'm doing, you know, like yeah. to do this or this. It's, it's a little crazy in my opinion so we need to take care with that but it's very normal this input but brazil again they are a little bit more conservative not conservative about do the procedures it's conservative about the result you know they but the young people i'm a little afraid about that yeah have no fear <laughs> are there any countries neighboring in south america who, who are much more conservative or, or is it just a general rule that Latin countries are, are similar to Brazil in terms of the aesthetic. You, you mean the South countries? Yes. In South America, South part of Brazil. No, no, I think that, okay, in Argentina, I used yeah. to give a lot of lectures there. Uh, our, our Argentina have a very uh, European influence because Argentina have a Spanish colonization. Uh, for example, we we don't see Afro descendants in Argentina. There is no this because there is, if I'm not wrong, there is not a Islamization. Is, is uh, the African didn't came to work like a slave sure. in Argentina. It sure. was coming in Brazil, and the indigenous from Argentina it was native was very small too. So they are very like the Spanish people. They are very dissimilar. It's like Maradona was, you know, it's yeah. very short, a big, uh, this part here, and this face and the hair, black hair. They are very, uh, not not so mixed as Brazil. Okay. There is a people blonde too, because they're European. But so, uh, I think that they, the public who used to have treat, uh, treatments are more mature too in Argentina. It's like, 45, 50, yeah. 55, it's not common to have so young as Brazil, you know, because of the European uh, colonization, I think, I think, in my lecture that I give there. And the other part of Brazil, but when you go a little bit upper, you know, like Colombia, Venezuela, they are very, uh, uh, they love, like, so much to have this treatment. And when you go to Mexico, is more, you no. Know, we see uh, a very American influence too. They do a lot of procedures. Sometimes they are a little bit overcorrected because they are more close to the United States. So yeah. the influence is a little bit different, and in my opinion. Are injectables available in all of the countries, like Peru and Chile and you know all no. of these countries? No, I uh, the. The places that I used to talk is more Argentina, you have all of them. Uh, Peru, no. Peru, there is one congress there, but it was a Latin America conference, you know, and the physicians from Peru is very small, mm. uh, small number, you know, so it's not, I don't know if they have all of the the brands there. Okay. Uh, Chile is very, is a, is a very is, is, is almost a rich uh, country. It's so small, but very economic, is very good. So they have a lot of branches too. And Venezuela, Colombia too. Venezuela, I don't know more because they have some political problems there. So a lot of physicians left Venezuela and right. went to Colombia. And then I don't know about the branches, you know, but these small countries, they don't, they don't have. Yeah. Um, in terms of what's considered classically beautiful, I guess we've kind of 
discussed like what European um, descendants in terms of um, what they're looking for, the aesthetic. What about people with, from an African descent? What are they looking for and how are you approaching those faces? About the Afro descendants yes. in Brazil? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They have a lot of... Uh, cons uh, oh, my God. Concerns? Uh, yeah. They, they ask a lot to have the treatments to to have a lighter, not lighter cream, to about the hypochromia, the melasma. Oh, so for pigmentation. Kind of thing. Yeah. The pigmentation, thank you. The pigmentation disorders is very common in Brazil. Uh, a lot of things with uh, uh, acne scars and this kind of thing. But m most of them, the, the, the pigmentation problems, the hair uh, treatments too, because of the influence of the, how to use the hair, mm -hmm. to hold the hair since it was children. Nowadays in Brazil, it's a very a positive movement to assume the the natural hair of the afro descendants so to never use chemical products to make it more like a Caucasian yeah hair, yeah in this kind of thing so it's a very uh power movement about the afro descendants it's good because of of course the the people and because of to avoid alopecia and this kind of thing you know and about the the bottle the neuromodulators is very common to to the afro descendants the, but you know unfortunately the majority of afro descendants people in brazil uh the majority not all of them there is no uh economic uh, situation to do the procedures mm. like the 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 mixed race people, you know, I'm talking about just the 80% of Afro-descendants not mixed yet. Yes. Uh, and because of that, the, we don't do a lot of procedure as the, the, for example, we have a lot of people from Angola that came to Brazil, the Angolanos who have power, economic situation, they come to Brazil to do the procedures. This is very common. Right. But the Brazilian one is not everybody who can do the, the procedures. You know? Can I ask, we, we've sort of uh, spoken to Isolde, Rashmi Shetty, Iman to discuss yeah, yeah. Europe, and you're our fourth key opinion leader now for the miniseries. One kind of interesting sort of common theme that we've noticed is that people with lighter skin want to potentially look darker and they're tanning, they're on the beach, they're risking sun cancer. Yeah. Whereas people of darker skin or very dark skin have anecdotally, according to Isolde and uh, Rashmi, they want lighter skin. Mm. Because Brazil's kind of a mixed, you know, you've got a, a large mixed race population. What, what is seen as beautiful? Is it just w whatever you are? Or, or, or do people with, you know, lighter skin want to be darker and people with darker skin want to be lighter? Yeah, I think it's the same thing because nobody is, is happy with uh, the, the, what they have. No, <laughs> this is very common. For example, my, my, my husband my, my, uh, is, uh, is totally blonde. Yeah. And uh, it's like you, his, his white, blue eyes and totally blonde. And uh, because his grandmother and his grandfather, they came from 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 Sweden. Oh right, uh, Sweden, yeah. A long time, yeah. And he totally uh, blonde and Swedish. The nose, everything. And uh, the the people here is so funny because 
This is not we have blonde people, but so mixed. But he totally from Sweden. Yeah. So when you go to a store, clothes brand here on the shopping, and the people can say, "May I help you?" in English, and they say, "He's Brazilian." <laughs> you, you can say Portuguese. <laughs> in general, the, the guys and the gay people can. He's very beautiful. And uh, handsome, and the people may I help you? And I say he is Brazilian. You can say in Portuguese, <laughs> my husband. Okay, and the, and he stay like red. So he loves to be have a tan skin. It's so funny. Yeah. And when we began our relationship, I I want to kill him because <laughs> the, I would say, okay, you need to use sunscreen. You are very phototype one or two, so you need to do that. And this kind of thing, because he used consider that tan skin, he never will be have a tan skin because it's, it's impossible. Like you, guys. impossible. But he he wants that. So in my case, I'm a dermatologist and phototype three. So I, when I was younger, I used to take a lot of sun because Brazilian Rio de Janeiro, my city. And they stay like like this color, very tan. No, yeah. no, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Nowadays, <laughs> I'm dermatologist. I'm very white, you know, <laughs> to don't age earlier. And so, but the people who, but but, but the Afro descendants in Brazil and even the, the mixed race the people about that, they don't like, they hate the pigmentation disorder. Yeah. So they hate melasma in, in Brazil and this kind of thing. But they don't want to have a lighter skin. Yeah. They like to have a tan skin, even the Afro descendants, because it means the brazility, the the weekend, you know, to be on the sun. This is very healthy. You know, they 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 think that this is healthy, and it is because we are happy with the sun is okay. But uh, I don't consider that. But the pigmentation disorder is not a, mm, a, yeah. a good but 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 you know it's not like in asia again i i say a lot of asia because i love asia and i was there a hundred times to speak to give lecture and i learned a lot but for example you know that uh, in asia very close to you the melasma is a nightmare no if a woman have melasma she can kill herself because i think that have the history about the means the people who used to work on the on the rural places yes. with rice and very poor people and this kind of thing. So melasma, they avoid. To, in Brazil, no. In Brazil, they don't avoid. You know, they they have sun. If appears melasma, they don't like, but yeah. they don't hate. You know what I mean? It's it's different motivation. So in summary, it's beautiful skin that's what's important, not color of skin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 but a, a beautiful skin, but tan skin, you know, because <laughs> it, it's, it's yeah. the two things, but with care. Yeah, you mentioned that, um, I think it was you said 25% of your patients are male. Um, I guess I'm yeah. curious as to whether or not that's a, a common trend amongst providers such as yourself, and what type of treatments are men looking to have done, and how are you approaching that male face in terms of beautification or enhancement? Okay, so. In, in, in my public, uh, Andre Braz is like this because I have been talking a lot about Mayo procedures. Mm-hmm. So the physician sent to me and I think that I have more, a bigger number of patients 
masculine paper, uh, patients than the other physician, but I treat a lot. Okay, for the non-invasive procedure, definitely the both line toxin is very common. And the fillers uh, too, but it it begins 10 years ago to nasal labial fold. And of course, I treat the mala area too to correct the nasal labial fold is my technique. But you know, but now to, to avoid the thyroid appearance, you know, but nowadays, like 10 years up to now, uh, is so common again the male 50s, 40s, 30s, and now the 20s male patient to have more masculine face, you know, so more well defined mandibular jawline, jaw angle, humus of the mandible area. So to increase the widthness of the begonial area of the lower face. So because in the chin more wider to the width of the, the mouth and you know that. So the landmarks of m- m- male uh, uh, beautiness is very, com- they, they ask for this. Okay, I came here because I want more definition of my face. And this is a influence of the internet and, the, and this is a positive thing. The problem is, Again, when they do, uh, they are in the wrong hands, it's very common. This, unfortunately, they will be like a, uh, a cartoon. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so yeah. This Caricature. the lower face yeah. will be so wide yeah. that you will be so big, and they confuse it with a beeriness of, of a masculine landmark of beauty and the masculinity. So this is a problem now. But they are more objectives what they want to to do and i love the male patients because they are very objective you know so they they want to do one thing they ask how will be there andre i'm going to ask you some more injectable specific questions now so who is allowed to inject um cosmetic injectables in brazil is it only doctors or, or nurses as well or dentists Okay, so, oh my God, this question is, uh, I remember the first time that I was in Australia and uh, I was to, in a big conference of uh, aesthetic plastic surgeon, I think it was in Melbourne. And then Allergan asked me to train a lot of physicians, the biggest clinics. And then in one clinic, I, I have 60 person in an auditorium. And then I, I and the physician came, okay, this this is a nurse group. And I say, what? No, it's a nurse group because they inject here. And that's, it was for me a surprise because I knew that in the United States, but I didn't know in Australia. Yes. And then I understand that this was common. And then I, but the level was very good. So we have a good discussion. I show a lot of things and it was good. Then they explained that there is, there should be a, a physician responsible for the nurse and this kind of thing. So it was a surprise for me because in Brazil, now to answer your question, because of that, I did this parallel comment. In Brazil, we only used to have physician injecting and physician, dermatologist or plastic surgeon, you know, of course, they can, they could not for uh, forbidden the, the physician non dermatologist or plastic surgery to inject but it was a a, you know the the companies used to sell more for the physician 
to a dermatologist, plastic surgeon. Yes. But never a non-physician. But nowadays, the last two years, almost three years, the dentist be, uh, have approval to do the both line talking to a gum smile and masseter to bruxism. And when they began to buy the, neuro, the neuromodulator, they used to do everything. And yeah. then now the fillers. So the dentists are injecting a lot. And uh, in the biomedicals, I don't know, the it's a kind of technique. Uh, uh, is is not a nurse. It's a course of three years, a technical graduation, mm -hmm. to work in the labs, you know, to oh, right. uh, collect. Uh, they used to inject it too. Right, <laughs> but okay. The nurse, yeah, and now the nurses uh, will begin too, because if the biomedical can inject, no, they want to inject too. But nowadays, is have a lot of biomedicals and dentists. But in Brazil, it's a nightmare. It's a fight because the physicians don't agree with that because the dentists are injecting a very... Uh, Uh, a, a very difficult level, very advanced injection, mm. they begin injecting the nose, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they do a course of Saturday morning <laughs> and begin to inject the nose. So this is, we are seeing a lot of complication because of that. And of course, everything comes to the dermatologist and plastic surgeon. And it's a very difficult moment because I know that we can, uh, this never will Uh, reset, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But at least could be a more concerned thing about the level of injection, work together. And this kind of thing, because the it's very fast. Yeah. So nowadays we have this situation here, but it's not in peace, you know what yeah. I mean? That's interesting. It's um, Jake and I were having a discussion last night on text message talking about future ideas for the podcast. And one of the discussions that we thought we should have is trying to get a handle of where people learn because there's no standardized training program. People are learning from different places all over the world, short courses, as you said, like Saturday morning, one day, three day courses. And um, it seems inadequate. I'm not a healthcare provider, so I guess I'm not really in a position to have an opinion on that. But from an outsider looking in, it seems like there's still a lot of work to be done globally across yeah. the industry to to improve this, the standards of training and to make sure there's some more consistency. Um, but in terms of um, Brazil, where do people learn? Where do they learn their craft? And then what about, is there any standardized training programs? Okay, so uh, I'm talking about the, the now the physician again, and then I'm going to talk. The, the dermatology, okay, we know that the dermatology is a specialization in the after the, the graduation of medicine, we have a very big uh, uh, places in Brazil, schools of medicine who have the residency and post-graduation in dermatology. The same in plastic surgery, we know that. So in the graduation of the dermatologist, in the most important services here about this, we have the, the cosmetic procedures. We teach for our residents this. For example, I belong to a service that I, I only appear in the third year, is the last year of, of graduation, the, the dermatology residency, and to teach them the, the procedures, the filler injection and the botulinum toxin injection. So this is 
very common to the best service. And the same thing to the plastic surgeon. A lot of uh, the big companies like Allegon, like USK in Brazil, in the MERS and Goderma, they didn't say to them. They gave a donation to the material, the syringes, to the uh, teachers of the each service show to the students, you know? So this is one thing very good in Brazil. After that, you have the biggest national conference of it specialization. The biggest is the dermatologist one, because the plastic surgeon conference is more about surgery yet, yeah. you know? So we have uh, two big conferences in Brazil. We have the National uh, Brazilian Society of Dermatology, it have this one annual big meeting about that. And you have a Brazilian Society of Dermatological Surgery that we show the dermatologic surgery and the cosmeceuticals, the cosmetic procedures like both like toxin, neuromodulators, fillers, uh, uh, all the injectables and lasers. Mm -hmm. This meeting is the biggest in Brazil. We have like 4,000 uh, people on the audience per year on this meeting. And you have a lot of smaller meetings in parallel. For example, I have two big meetings in Brazil. One of my service that I'm teacher, but I have the scientific coordination one uh, time per year. And I have 1,500 people on the audience every year. It's the biggest for a service, you know. And we belong on the coordination of another one. is a private uh, uh, meeting only for dermatologists and plastic surgeons and have the same number, 1,500 people on the audience, one big room. But last year we did everything online. We put 2,000 people. And uh, so in these two conferences that I, it's mine, for example, we show only injectables, you know, and both like toxin and... Uh, everything injectables and one of them we show lasers too and peelings and everything and even the cosmetic treatments uh, the, the the dermatologic uh, disorders you know what I mean the, the diseases yeah. that can have a, a cosmetic influence for example acne scar and how to treat the, the, the consequence of the melasma and this kind of thing so uh, the student, the dermatologists who want to study, have a lot of possibilities, you know, in Brazil. Yeah. The the thing, the non physicians uh, is is a little bit crazy because is they don't have a big conference. If I know up to now that to do that, so to do the small courses. And we don't know the level of this. And because of that, is for me, is a very wrong. I think if they're going to continue with that, definitely they will. It should or have a better, better organization, you know, a graduation of the procedures to avoid complications. And this kind of thing is normal because 20 years ago, when I began with this, 23 years ago, uh, it was like that. We were beginning, so we have small courses, then we're increasing. But I began to do the nose procedure, for example, like I think 15 years later mm. that I learned to nasolabial. You know what I mean? So there is a, 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 a progressive way to do that. And this is our 
But so to the dermatologist and plastic surgeon in Brazil, we have a very good ways how to study and the online things too that we have. Yeah, and now we have the anatomy course that I'm so happy. Last year, two years ago, I began because I was the first one to show anatomy to the fresh frozen cadaver in Brazil, the United States to Brazil, to the movies and the, the videos and everything and the papers. And two years ago, we have the first fresh frozen cadaver course in Brazil with American heads, but now we can do in Brazil. That's so amazing. We have, yeah, it's very good. Because, you know, in Australia, when it was my second time, I was giving lecture on the cadaver course, and it was in Melbourne. Melbourne, again. yeah. It was American heads. <laughs> yeah, well, we have to go to Singapore, really, to, to get the fresh frozen and cadavers. In Singapore. Oh, my God. I was there six times giving lecture with Waffle Who. Waffle Who, yeah. With you, and I love Singapore. Wow. It's <laughs> and Americans, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. American exportation. Yeah. Now, we're going to move on to some other questions about injectables specifically. Now, this is a okay. really difficult question. I know your practice is busy, but what would you guess the average um, patient is doing with their injector? For example, we know that there's mm -hmm. a global statistic that the average patient has 1.2 mils of filler per treatment. Do you think that the average uh, injector in Brazil is, is sort of delivering more ambitious treatments or is it still, you know, small amounts of filler per treatment? This is the average in Australia? No, said? the global average, 1.2. Ah, okay, because it's Australia, I think, is more, no? <laughs> yeah, in Brazil, I think that the minimal is two syringes. Okay, of course, Brazil is a very big country, as you said before. It's deep. Of course, some people will do one syringe, depending on the budget of mm. each patient. And some physicians used to do like one or two syringes on their patient because depending of the patient and physician. Uh, so I can, I think can be, we can say two syringes in the globally, but the majority of the good injectors here use much more. I, mm -hmm. I, I myself, I'm very uh, uh, economy about uh, uh, about the number of syringes because I think if you if you know really, if you do a very good assessment, and if you know really the anatomy of the procedure and the patient, you're gonna use less uh, syringes, yeah. having the same result of people who use a lot of one, because you're gonna uh, in enjoy like the 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 power of the syringe, knowing anatomy and a correct diagnostic. So. In, because of that, in my last technique, the AB face, I suggest to a full face treatment. Full face, in my opinion, is the middle and the mid face and lower face. Because upper face, I do the bulk line toxin and then I'm going to inject in another session to complete the temple, eyebrow, and forehead if necessary. Yeah. But the most important thing to begin is the mid face and go to the lower face. Yeah. So I suggest six, six. ML, six syringes in the maximal, four syringes to the, I call AB face structure. So it's the structure of the face, considering the mid face and lower face. 
and one or two syringes to the re refinement, you know, for, mm -hmm. for example, for the nasolabial fold, labial mentonium fold, and the lips, and so just one or two syringes, and four or five to structures, so six in the total. And then if you need more, you're going to do in another session. Yeah. I stimulate that to avoid complication, not in my patient, but in the, because I, I can do more, but I think six is a very good number. And uh, if you need more, you put more. You're going to uh, assess the swelling that you have, and then you're going to consider that we decrease the swelling. Then you're going to assess again, and if necessary, put a little bit more. I'm very afraid of the stimulation of some companies. Of course, the, the majority work with all of them. So we know that the companies want to sell more and more syringes. So it's very common to stimulate a bigger number of injections of numbers because they want to sell more. And I say that this to them. I'm very uh, honest with the company. And I say, okay, of course you want to sell more. But you need to to protect our patient and our students too. Because uh, the more you inject, the more syringes you do, the more chance you have to, to have complication about the reaction, the adverse events, the post-adverse adverse events, the complication about the technique. So I don't like the thing about like 12, 15, 20 syringes in one patient. I think it's crazy sure. to, to have problems, you know? And because of that, just to conclude, the, the, the people who are injecting this number of syringes nowadays in Brazil are non-physicians. Because the <laughs> physician, they know that they cannot do that. It's not the best option to avoid problems, you know? The, I, I'm not going to name the clinic, but there, there's a couple of examples that I've seen on Instagram where firstly they've uh, sort of doctored the pre-photo so the man looks really weak and, and narrow and then the after photo, uh, yeah. it's like 25 mils and he looks like yeah. human, you know, it's just yeah. kind of crazy, this but is, it's not realistic. It's crazy and not realistic. And another thing, the, I don't know in Australia, but in Brazil, our Federal Council of Medicine avoid us to is forbidden to put picture before and after on instagram and social media oh. and but the dentists have approval now so they can put before and after and it's crazy because for the public not so smart public i can say that they're gonna consider that now who do this this procedure is the dentist because like dr brass don't have in this <laughs> instagram before and after so i don't know if the doctor the dentist blah 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 they have a lot of picture and this kind of thing and uh, we see a lot of uh you know the the things on instagram the filtrums uh what is the there is a photoshop no yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of Photoshop's picture. There you see the picture and and the light too. They put the light on <laughs> to have shadows and the posts have a light very beautiful <laughs> like I have here now. And so this is great. And the patient don't know this kind of thing. And, be, and and just to, to, to conclude, the, but again, we, we began to a conversation with this. Uh, this kind of the procedures too, they are trying to, to say that this transformation 
that you talk about, wow, the patient is is another one. Wow, now is is the 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 normal is the the good result? It is not because everybody will see that this guy or this woman made one thing. They they are calling Brazil the harmonization facial is facial harmonization. The name is that. The name in Instagram is that. I hate this name because of course harmonization is should be a beautiful thing because it's a harmony. Yeah. But means nowadays uh, uh, nowadays a transformation. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. so Augmentation. Yeah. In Australia, it's yeah. a very competitive market. We've got lots of clinics all over the country, places in shopping centers. You've got your private doctor's facilities and everything in between. So it's very competitive. What's the scene mm-hmm. like in Brazil? You have this high level of competition in the marketplace, you know, everyone trying to go for the same patients or is it a little more, a little more subtle? Okay, we have the two things here. The, the, up to five years ago, uh, the normal thing was to have a good clinic, you should have a good doctor, you know, the name. For example, in my case, my clinic is Dr. Andrea Brass, dermatology. So they, they, they look for uh, a person, a specific physician, male or female. Uh, they didn't use to give value to a brand, fantasy brand. You know what I mean? For example, aesthetic, beauty center. They, they don't like this because they look for the physician who are going to do this with me. It's totally different someplace. I remember mm-hmm. was it was my first time in Thailand to give lecture. I was we train. Uh, uh, it was crazy. It was 153 uh, 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 clinics yeah. of the same name. It was a fantasy name. And the owner was a 32-years-old physician. <laughs> and I say, okay, are you so rich? And, and I say with them, can you hire me and to work to you? And he, oh, my God, they're going to love it. But I was kidding. But, you know, so, and he put a fantasy name. And it was never it was going to work in Brazil. Because Brazil, the people are so think with that. But, you know, so. In this situation about the physicians' names of uh, the 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 market thing is okay. It's not uh, some of them pay the influencer to mm-hmm. to do marketing on the internet. I don't like this, but it's okay. Some of them and some of them are more aggressive about the do a lot of videos. So, but it's is okay. But five years up to now, answer your question. There is a new wave in Brazil about these fantasy names of clinic, like mm. Boto Clinic, this kind of thing. And uh, but we physician more experienced say no, you're gonna never have success <laughs> because it's not Brazil. But you know that is increasing. They are putting dentist mm-hmm. and biomedical that is more cheap for yep. them mm. to do the procedure. Yeah, they are splitting like in twenty times the the procedure to, right. to pay. You know. Yeah, and they are beginning to increase here. But I don't know if you're gonna stay or not. But it beginning to 
the, the position I began to, I, I'm not liking this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's such a, it's so, a it, the story is the same in every it, country with yeah. its own nuances. Nuances, yeah. Andre, I'm going to ask you some sort of quicker questions now, if it's okay with you. Okay. So, which toxin okay. brands are available in Brazil? The toxins, the Botox, uh, Dysport, the Zelmin, mm-hmm. the Botulift. Oh, that, that's a, a new Korean one for us. One. What is that? And who does that? But lift if I'm not wrong, is a Korean toxin. But this is 100 units like the old vial of Botox 2 and Zeomin. Okay. It's the same style. And uh, now I think that Nabota toxin is coming to Brazil to a new distributor. You right. Know? Okay. Yeah. I think it is this. It's five Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's probably the the most selection yes. we've had on yes. on the mini series so mm. far. Yeah, it's generally only the, the big ones that people like Xeomin, Botox, and um, Dysport are the only ones that we've uh, sort of spoken ma- about. How, hmm? how many do you have? We Four? just have three. Three, but there's more coming, I think. Ah, three. It's yeah. Only, ah, okay. What about um, how you administer your toxin? Do you generally charge per unit or per area of the face? Or by result? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the result is a good answer. Yeah, I I used to do for no, I I keep doing four units. You know, sometimes I I used to charge by area, but I think it was complicated to do that. So yeah. I use, but 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 I don't counting. So you know, because it's difficult sometimes. So I have a a, a price to the upper face. Yeah. You know. And I have a price to upper face and neck. But neck, I mean, the old muscle, chin and everything. Yeah. So I can say that it's for area nowadays, but I know generally uh, the amount that I'm going to use on the lower face. So these, these two answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does it cost a patient for, for a typical toxin treatment with yourself? Okay. In real. to do a conversion. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'll convert it for you. Don't worry. Yeah, because, oh my God, the, with the pandemic, the real is so down, the dollar in the area is so high because of the pandemic. By the way, if you want to buy uh, apartments or houses in Rio de Janeiro, it's so cheap. Because Come on, David, the, the let's European, invest. I, the, the, no, the European are buying everything. <laughs> I I saw that my one of my rooftops here to the, a couple of French people because they pay a fortune. I'm so happy because <laughs> the, the arrow is so high. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, and okay. But so, uh, okay. To the, to the boat line toxin, I used to charge like 2000 reais. It's like uh, $400, you know? And how many units is that typically? I think like uh, six to five units and okay so like that. that's a decent dose and that's about 485 australian dollar a bit cheaper than here 370 so yeah i mean presumably your your, your purchasing price is cheaper than us but that's still quite cheap. i think that's good value yeah 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 <laughs> perfect it's probably because i i think that i I buy cheaper the vial. Yeah, no, of course. Maybe but we have noticed uh, particularly you know? in Europe that the 
cost price is much cheaper than than us yeah. for us Australian doctors. It's very expensive for us to buy here. Therefore, the price to the patient is higher generally. Well, oh, yeah. you say that, but I think the profit margin's less. It, yeah. it's not particularly higher. Probably, yeah, yeah. What about fillers? What are the different brands of fillers that you guys have over there? I'm assuming you've probably got um, your Juvederm range, and you probably used Galderma as well. So you've got the sort or the old Restylane range. Yeah, we have in Brazil. The first the company was Qmed, yes. not Galderma. So we have Allergan, the Galderma MERS that yep. I launched some years ago. We have uh, Teoxan here, but a different distributor is not so well worked. So mm -hmm. we don't have the new brand of Teoxan yet. Yep. Probably next year, mm -hmm. and we have uh, more what the Luminera? Yeah, I think it's... The, okay, yeah, Luminera. But Luminera here, we the, the, the distributor was the under skin. This this company that I launched, the, the AB Face Technique, to to launch the products of Luminera, Monica and the other products. So okay. we have Luminera since last year. We're going to come on to that because yeah, for a lot of people, they won't have ah, heard of and Luminera. Have, and, and sorry, we have one company... Who distributes to the the Chroma product? Right. You know, our oh, princess. Yeah, princess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But just two two products of princess. Okay. But the most the, the famous here, the company who are not as a distributor, you know, as the companies here is Allergan, Goldermi, Mers. Yeah. yeah. There are three. The other products and, and Luminera by the company that I have this technique. So. The other ones is a small distributor that sure. are selling here. And okay. how much, again, average price? I know it's not exact. How much would it cost for one mil of a thick filler like Voluma, Restylane Lift, um, Balotero okay. Volume? I, I buy, okay, I, I charge uh, 2500 for its range. So you'll be $500. Uh but one syringe, you know. So if I buy, if I use two syringes, I double price. Yes. If I use three, I, I just add the Yeah, there's the, no the saving. No. Okay, so that's 606. In my case. Okay, say. Yeah, 606 uh, Australian dollars or yeah. 465 US. So, you know, for, for an injector like yourself, I think it's still good, really good value. Yeah. But of course, it's probably expensive for Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you mean it's cheap? No, no. It, well, it's good value if you were in Australia. Like, uh, I think it's, you know, it, it's it's great because you're getting the best injector in Brazil to, to do an affordable oh, no. treatment. But presumably in Real, that's expensive. Okay, because, yeah, yeah. If you say it's, if you say it's cheap, you're going to uh, increase my... <laughs> Up your prices. All your patients are going to hate us. I'm going to say that is you selling that, <laughs> saying that. And they're going to increase the... <laughs> are your prices uh, similar to Maurizio de Mayo? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, you know Mauricio. Mauricio works in São Paulo. No, I'm working in Rio. Yeah. The Mauricio seems. I think he is seeing much small number of patients because Mauricio give a he's lot of so busy. Training. So busy. I don't know. Yeah, probably he's charging more because he's seeing small number. Yeah. Yeah. I probably should have asked that question. He's my mentor, so he's going to kill me now. Yeah. 
Um, what about your fat dissolving treatments and I guess some of the less commonly used things? So, you know, your Kybella or Belkyra, things like threads and the biostimulatory, biostimulatory okay, treatments as so well. Mm. The biostimulator, uh, the biostimulation here is very common. Uh, we have the first one in Alone was during a long time, the Sculptra. Yep. Before Galderma Bi, we used to do here. Mm-hmm. But of course, when Galderma bought, uh, it was they used to to use better the marketing came, so mm-hmm. the people use more and more. And then when the Rayjets to came without MERS, it was not so well worked here, mm-hmm. like United States too. After MERS, when MERS assumed that and began to use as a biostimulator and not as a filler, no? yeah. it was a very smart of MERS. No? And I used to give the, the advisory board from them in this, that period. And we used to say that, of course. And so now calcium hydroxypatite, the products are very well uh, seen in Brazil and as a competitor to the polylactic acid, of course. Mm-hmm. And we have the, the rages from MERS. We have in uh, uh, the product for Luminera to that we are working about. Do we have the just a calcium hydroxypatite mm-hmm. with uh, carboxymethylose exactly like Rage as from Luminera brand that under skin company. The name is Crystallis. Uh, we have another company is working another one very similar. The name is Diamond, and we have the the innovative Harmonica that I launched last year here during the pandemic to Abyface Technique. And this product is very interesting. You know that because it makes uh, the AJ, hyaluronic acid, and calcium hydroxypatate in the same product. And because the people are having been using this, the uh, calcium hydroxypatate alone and polylactic acid alone to be stimulation, they, the competition to was very similar. It's different product, but and the same areas to work on the face and the body. Can I just ask you to explain sort of the background to that product? Because for a lot of people, they would have okay. never have heard of this. You know, it was, it was really small print. I just saw it on LinkedIn maybe two months ago that Allegan have purchased an Israeli yeah. filler company called Luminera. And I was like, wow, yeah. that's, that's big news. But most people wouldn't have known about it. So just tell us about your involvement and, and the product itself. Okay, I try to be not so long. (laughs) Yeah. So, this company in Brazil, the biggest pharmaceutical company in Latin America, have a company to a cosmetic uh, way. You know, they have the Dermacosmeticals in Brazil, United States, that brand of them. The name is USA. USK mm-hmm. is under skin, the name, you know, they sell in the United States in Brazil and they the, the manufacturer is in Brazil and in Italy, they yeah. bought a company in Italy. So the, they want to have a filler pro, uh, brands now the, to, to begin in the market. They, they make a deal with me to positioning the new product and choose the product, mm-hmm. you know. And then because of my lectures around the world, we know a lot of things. And I knew about this company who have a good 
AJ line of products, but have these innovative products. They are mixing calcium hydroxyapatite and AJ product. And I'm having, I used to say this for, I will not say the name of the companies, but some companies in the past, in my advisory board, you should mix calcium hydroxyapatite <laughs> with AJ. Yeah. We should mix. Because I, I I was doing by myself in Brazil and I love the result. When I knew about this, I talked with the CEO and I say, okay, you should go there. We we should go, and then we showed that, and then we began to distribute in Brazil by this company. Yep. So Luminera because have Harmonica this product and the AJ line. I will explain what is Harmonica. And then when I launch Harmonica with this, this new technique that I create and position the idea how to use, you know, and we began to show around the world online to Hajakila, to another colleague, to the conference, to Harvard meeting, Harvard meeting to ASDS meeting and to Monaco meeting. And then that the people was knowing about. And then I say, so it was a huge success. And then Brazil... Uh, with uh, I say to the CEO and the company say, okay, now we're gonna you're gonna buy the company, okay, the Luminera, because it's a huge success. Yeah. But then Allergan bought. Allergan, and then I say, wow. So and then Allergan call me and say, now you're gonna. They say the sun returns. <laughs> I say, no, I never left. I just doing another work. So, and then now Allergan Bat. I think that it's because it's a very unique product. The other products of Luminera about the just AJ is very interesting too. But Harmonica is the most important one is because 30% of the syringe is 1.2, 1.25, by the way, yeah. ML. More than one. So, 30% of this is calcium hydroxyapatite mm-hmm. and 17% is uh, AJ, yeah. hyaluronic acid. So because of that, you have a very good product to restore the laser volume, to give a good structure to the face, to, you know, to create something that the patient don't have, or to restore the laser volume, to do a chin augmentation, zone line, zone angle, everything. And you have calcium hydroxyapatite without the carboxymethylcellulose because the carboxymethylcellulose who comes with calcium hydroxyapatite in RAGES or in other products, the carboxymethylcellulose is just a vehicle. So doesn't have function. Doesn't will keep the volume. The duration will be what? 20 days, 30 days. Just you need to wait the calcium hydroxyapatite do the biostimulant. But the harmonica, no, you have the AJ as a vehicle and as AJ, you know, because yeah. it's amazing. They're going to have a good duration, a good result, a restructure, restore the loss of volume. And as a bonus, you're going to have the biostimulation. So if you work well with this product, is a is a dream. And then I, I show, I positioning how to treat the mid face and the lower face with a sequence of treatment. Mm-hmm. Begin to this part, go here, go here. And then chin, pre-jaw, jaw line, and jaw angle. Of course, depending of each patient, depending of the gender, and depending of the facial shape, you know. 
question. Are, are you injecting this sort of traditionally like an HA or are you going down onto the bone if you're doing the, the cheek area? Because of of course it's the the calcium component isn't dissolvable. So there's a little bit more of a safety aspect to this new filler. Okay, it's a good question. The to the mid phase, uh, we can do both. So we can do below. The, I, I not consider with harmonica the superperiosteal injection, mm -hmm. but some some areas I consider submuscular injection, but always subcutaneous injection too. For example, if you're gonna treat the malolateral area before the the malaprominence, for example we can do the orbicularis muscle, the orbital part of orbicularis muscle. You can do a little bit below the muscle. Mm. It's not so deep because the muscle is very superficial. And then put a little bit above the muscle as okay. a sandwich just to lift that. But on this part, on the, pre, the malaprominent and zygomatic medial area, I call before the zygomatic arc, you know, you can do a, a below the muscle too because it's very superficial and above the muscle too. So we go do a sandwich okay. because we enjoy the AJ and the, the calcium hydroxyapatite. In the jawline and jaw angle, just subcutaneous mm -hmm. because the more, most common area to be treated and you define very well this area and you lift very well this area and enjoy the maximum of the calcium hydroxyapatite. The, the pre-jaw above the muscle to have a bit stimulation and a better definition and enjoy the calcium hydroxyapatite. And the chin, you can do both, below the muscle and above the muscle. Below the muscle for what? Okay, but calcium hydroxyapatite is better in subcutaneous. But you have the AJ, you know, so you can have a very good result with a good duration and have the bio-stimulation and subcutaneous layer. But you know, there is some papers that show that you have a fibroplasty below the muscle too. In subcutaneous, you have a good action of calcium hydroxyapatite too. Yep. Especially where you have is mass, you know, the because you can stimulate that. So it's a different product because of that. You cannot think just about subcutaneous because you have a J together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's different to just calcium hydroxyapatite with carboxymethylcellulose. But I always use together to refinement the AJ alone. Yeah. The other part of the, the, the line, you know. I, I, mean. I think we'll get you back in the future to do a, a, a harmonica yeah. a podcast alone. It sounds like an amazing product and we'll eventually get it here. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very interesting product. Yeah, you're going to like that. In Australia, we've had a, yeah. a trend at the moment, a trend, but a, a resurgence in the popularity of threads, particularly um, PDO threads. Do you use them in your practice? And what do you see their role being in terms of lifting or, or sort of that uh, biostimulatory effect that they, they give as well? Okay, you asked that before. I know I remember. Uh, just to ask to answering you about you ask about the crybella or the, oh, yes. the oxycholate and the threads. The crybella we don't have in Brazil because even being allergan and we have everything for allergan here, they didn't. Uh, it wasn't approved here. Oh. We have the 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 cool sculpting of course yes. from allergan too. We use that for the the mini cool. I I love the result. But we didn't have approval of crybella. But you have the the oxycholate. 
manufacturing, you know, in manipulation pharmacy company. Uh, there is some of them as a, as a safe, some of them are not safe because depending of the pharmacy too, mm-hmm. it's not so, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but the result is the same. Uh, you need to to understand better the the indication. We first used to use the the sculpting, the cryolipolysis. This is my project. And if I didn't have the result that I like it, I can complete with uh, this oxycolator. No, this is the idea. Some uh, Brazilian company they say, you know, you can use another. They say amptures now, no, they're like triacinolone, but this is not the idea of triacinolone. Of course, you're going to have a fat absorption, but it's not, uh, you know, it's a little confused. But some company are trying to approve that. Uh, so the, the, the threads, uh, I, I myself, up to now, I didn't see sustainability of the result. This is up to now, I didn't see result. Uh, so because of that, I when we have some result, I think the duration is so small and I don't like this idea. I remember 20 years ago when I began, the, the people used to indicate, especially plastic surgeon, the, the tre- they say the Russian threads <laughs> the, or the... They, they say the gold thread, there is a name. It was a permanent material, no, yeah. to thread. And you have a little bit more lifting, but very fast to disappear. You need to put more thread and more. And then when the patient went to do a lifting, uh, a retidectomy, it was a nightmare because of the threads that never will uh, be... Uh, Dissolved. Uh, have a, yeah. So... After that, 10 years after that, they launched the, the silhouette and this kind of observable threads. And, and the result was what, in my opinion? It was a fever in the beginning because, oh, it's a lifting without <laughs> surgery. But we know that it's not like that. So the duration wasn't good. The people never do again the procedure. And now in Europe, I, I know that the people are beginning to launch again the permanent threads again. Why? To have more, a bigger duration, less long duration. But uh, we used to say, I saw this movie before, you know, so <laughs> I, I know what is going to happen. But the PDO threads, I think that it's a good thing because I'm not promising like lifting is just to buy stimulation to uh, accordion lines to you know this very specific areas you're gonna have a stimulation so i like this we are using for some patients but very specific indication yeah and this one i like and we have a lot of not a lot of but we have some Brands in Brazil this year are they launching more one and next year more two. The the people are beginning to to believe on this, especially mm. the PTO one. Yeah, I think uh, okay. that's probably my position. I think there's a role for them, but but not the lifting threads uh, or, or or the old style anyway. I, I wasn't too impressed with the results either. But you know the, the, yeah. the specific mono threads where tricky areas where there's a lot of hyperdynamic skin where you can create a bit of texture to the skin and improve the integrity yeah. of the skin. I think that's that's where I would see them. So I totally yeah. agree with you, is my opinion. 
Just to finish, the, I, I guess, the, the topic, which commonly used devices are you using? You've mentioned cool sculpting. You know, there must be a range of lasers. Do you have um, hydrofacial? Um, do M-sculpt. you have M-Sculpt? Mm. These are the common, uh, quite big brands here in Australia. The, 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 the M-Sculpt, you're seeing the electromagnetic yes. simulation. Yeah, we have the, the launch of three companies in Brazil, two different brands in Brazil. And when Brazilian companies are launching their own uh, electromagnetic product now too, right. so it's a very uh, fever now in Brazil. We launched last year. It's, a very, it's going very well. Yeah. A few business questions to sort of wrap up. Um, how big do you think the market is in Brazil in terms of number of providers, people out there providing sort of treatments that you're providing? And do you sort of see the, the trajectory sort of going the same direction and sort of becoming even more popular over the next five years? I think there's a very big because, as you told before, Brazil is very young. The the, the population is 35 years old. So yeah. you're going to they are beginning earlier. Yep. to avoid the aging process, you know, so this is increased a lot. And they have a lot of time to treat. And the people are living more and more. We have a lot of people 90 years old, 100 years old in Brazil is common now. Wow. You know, wow. so because of that, I have three patients with more than 90 years old. Jeez. I have at least 15 with more than 80 years old, my patient. So this is very common. And because of the market now with non-physician is huge, yeah. you know, because it's going to have more and more procedure. And uh, the thing that to, to finish is the, as I told you before, in the beginning, the the stimulation was the, the dermatologist and plastic surgeon. Now, a lot of different physicians are doing this and non-physicians. So because of that, it will increase more and more, I think. Brilliant. And internet. What are the biggest challenges in running your clinic? What are the barriers to patients coming? What What prohibits you from doing more than you want? Anything specific that you can comment on? Okay, in my projects, Andre, the, the, the challenge always is to see all my patients and to do my lectures and my, my publications mm. and the, Time. And the <laughs> trips. Because it's two different careers that are, for me is, is one, but mm-hmm. it's not one, you know? And they still show the personal life and this kind of thing. But to my patient, I think that this is the... No, it's not a challenge. It's, okay, it's because the patient wants to do everything sometimes with me, with one physician, but they're researching a lot of uh, physicians too. So I used to have a lot of ones that do laser with one colleague and do uh, skincare with another one, but fill injection will be with me, you know? And sometimes I... In the past, I used to want to know, we're going to treat everything with me. But then I realized that it's not okay. It's difficult. It's not honest. And we can share the the treatment of this patient. Mm -hmm. But the challenge for me nowadays is to, to give, not give, to share my patient with my team. Yeah. I have three dermatologists with me, gynecologists. So the patient should, should trust on them, not only me, because one day you're going to die. So <laughs> they're going <laughs> to with another. 
And uh, this is my challenge now. And the patient understanding that, and it's good. Yeah. Okay. I think, well, we're seeing it in all, se- all sectors of medicine is this subspecialization, whether it be orthopedic surgeons that just do knees or some that just do shoulders. It makes sense when you're doing treating people aesthetically as well. How can you be an expert in everything? It seems to be impossible. If you've yeah. got a passion for injectables yeah. and that's where you want to spend most of your time, then maybe you hand them over to someone that does lasers every day because they're going to be more up to date. They're doing it all the time. So their skills are going to be more refined. So it only makes sense. I would see that happening with the injectables and aesthetic market as well. I guess just to, sort of, right. just to sort of round things off, if you had to have a, like a look into the future, where do you see the aesthetic market going and more particularly injectables in the next sort of five to 10 years? Or what would your hopes and dreams be for it? You know that yesterday I was discussing with a, a CEO of a company who were thinking about that, but I was thinking very drinking and <laughs> then you have something and I say, oh my God, and if one day uh, the robots, you know, will yes. inject the patient or maybe the patient wants, okay, I want to have my treatment on the malar area and then go in a place and the robo will inject. And I was very scared. I said, <laughs> oh my God. And, and my my job, my thing that I love to do. But I, I think the technology is incredible. Now we can do or this kind of thing. I think that the definitely the technology and this uh, artificial in- intelligence, no, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the name is, AI, yeah. we, is, is very present nowadays. But when involve sense of art, no, and em- 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 emotional things, never will substitute. So because of that, because it's it's totally different. What are gonna have in the face of a patient? to have she don't know what she wants because she don't need to know how a robot will say what is more beautiful if she lives in japan it will be different of brazil and the uh, miscegenation japan there is no miscegenation in brazil there is a lot so how can a robot do that and because of that even having more and more technology and this kind of thing for a lot of things you know to our procedures, I think you're going to keep the same. Maybe the product will be better with less side effects and more long dura- less long duration, but there is a limit for that, in my opinion. I'm, I'm going to introduce an idea that might excite you, Andre. So uh-huh. in surgery, I, I trained as a surgeon. Um, when we talk about robotic surgery, you know, it's not like a... An, an automatic robot standing over doing the procedure. You have a surgeon sat in the corner controlling the robot. Doing that. And so the beauty of that is that you could be the injector in Brazil treating David here in Australia yeah. through the robot in David's room. And so actually it might open up an incredible market where it's a global injector's market yeah. where you could be treated by anyone anywhere, yeah. but facilitating the physician's skill still. It's not it's not the robot that's doing the skill, it's the surgeon. Yeah. So more of a, is- uh, a blending of human and an artificial intelligence rather than one taking over the other. Correct. So the robot, you know, of course, it's always going to be more precise, no shaking. It's always going to be the perfect angle and depth, but the sur- <laughs> the surgeon will still have the flair. I was uh, just thinking about when something goes yeah, on. But- oh, no, you have a vascular occlusion. 
I thought the same. Yeah. Okay, we have a embolization now. What about? But but, oh but think about it. You you could blend things like ultrasonography yeah, yeah. into the injecting live. And, and and that would be the best hybrid system of, of everything. You'd still have the... No, the this is, yeah. If, if, you, if you we going to keep to being the leaders, it's okay. I'm going to love because, yeah, you can do a lot of more far from the place. You'll be amazing. But you should decide because, you know, I read a paper that showed... Not a paper, an interview showing that the, the image... Uh, exams and this kind of thing, maybe we'll finish because the robot can see like 3 million of images of cancer in a place and of ultrasound yep. and then is a uh, uh, repetitive things to do a diagnosis. So maybe this kind of physician will be, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but in our cases, no, but I'm telling true. When you have a sense of art and this kind of thing, we need to be on, but maybe the technology can help, like you said. That's brilliant. Amazing. Well, listen, Good th point. this has been a really, yeah. really fascinating chat, and and to be honest, one of our most lengthy. Yes, so it's good. We will end it there. But um, Andre, thank you for your time and and for your expertise. My pleasure. I think um, for me, what you've given us is almost a glimpse into the future of what our populations will look like in other countries in 100 years yeah. or 50 years when, when we're much more multiracial. So I'm really kind of inspired by what you said and uh, certainly going to read your papers to sort of understand more about the AB technique and uh, yeah. maybe we could talk about that filler off camera yeah. to get a bit more insight okay. into the new technologies that are coming. Yeah. Um, Thank you again. Cool. I just want to echo Jake's comments. It's been fascinating and very much uh, appreciate your time. I know you're, you're very busy. Um, for people that may want to reach out and ask you questions or come and see you as a patient, we have listeners in Brazil as well. So how do they find you on social media? I know they're not going to see you before and after photos, but in terms of <laughs> finding uh, you, I know you've also done a book as well, which I was looking at, which you um, published with another Brazilian dermatologist. So tell us all about that and how people get in touch with you. Okay, so uh, the, thank you so much again. It was a real pleasure. Congrats from the project. It's an amazing idea. And uh, it's my honor to be here with you and with other colleagues that you interview and that I know of them. It was a pleasure. So I am on Instagram. is is Dr. Andre Brass. It is dr.andrebras. And then there we have the information about the book and the trips and everything. The name of the book is Dermal Feelers, Facial Anatomy and Injection Technique. It's the translation yep. of my anatomy book in Brazil and have illustrations, 20 chapter. Each one is one different area from, Brazil, from the face. And then we show the illustration of cadaver, real picture of cadaver illustration and technique and how to inject them before and after and have videos too for all the chapters so if you want it's by TM TM uh, published company the German yep. one in English and then I'm going to have in Italy Spanish next year and in Mandarin Chinese wow. next wow. year too and so if you have one inf information on Instagram we can give so thank you so much again guys thank you My thank pleasure. you Andre stay safe and we'll speak to you soon you too thank you thank you bye bye, bye. bye. take care 
for our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests. 